supporting you in your dog parenting journey. The Dynamic Dog Owner with Debbie Potter. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Dynamic Dog Owner. So the past few episodes have been about my dogs. It's been like a mini series about all my dogs and what I've learned from them, how I have grown as a trainer and all the different skills they have taught me over my years with them. And today we're talking about Fred. So Fred is my gold retriever. He is two years old, just two. And you'll know if you've listened to the previous episodes, my first own dog was a golden retriever um, and he kind of stole my heart and I didn't realise how much until he wasn't with us. And when it came to getting Dave a friend, I thought, oh, let's get another golden retriever. Um, and I did inquire with a few golden retriever breeders, but thankfully none of them had a litter available and we went for another Labrador, our Fox Red Rem, which is probably a good thing because I didn't realise I wasn't ready for another golden retriever. And my plan was always to have a third dog because I didn't want another dog to be on their own when we lost one. So like Dave had a period on his own where I think it did a char- help form his reactive character. Um, I didn't want to go through that again and have another dog be on their own. So it was always my plan to have three, but not a short term plan. It was a long term plan. My plan was to wait until Rem was five or six. Dave would be kind of seven or eight. Then we'd have another dog and it would create more of an even age gap rather than having um, t- like them all close in quick succession. But Fred, my happy accident, came along um, <laughs> and now we have two year age gap between all our dogs and I kind of joke now that I'm ready for another one because then I would have even gaps again but I'm not having another dog just yet. So when we were looking or for, for Rem, we did get in touch with a local breeder who um, breeds golden retrievers. She's literally around the corner, so she's really, really local. And thankfully, she didn't have a litter available, which was a good thing. But we did stay in touch because she'd heard of me and my business, so she knew who I was. She invited me into her family on Facebook of of prospective owners of future litters to see, find out about her and her breeder and her her families and all the dogs that she has um, and all the families that have had her dogs so I was invited into that group and it was lovely and um, we've done a few bits together where we've shared resources etc and I didn't have any intention of getting a third dog (laughs) but one day there was a little post in the group saying the next litter's been born and they were a beautiful litter of golden retriever puppies absolutely beautiful I of course happened to comment went oh my goodness they are gorgeous it's making me broody so Anna dropped me a message um literally within about 10 minutes and went I have a boy he does not have a home the litter is bigger than I expected and I have one boy golden retriever who needs a home do you want one um well what a question to ask me um of course I was interested and a few things started going through my mind Firstly, it's always been my dream to have a dog that I can train as a therapy dog to take to you know, hospitals, nursing homes, wherever. So um, almost like a, a pet of pets as therapy dog. Um, none of my puppies so far, so Rem or Dave, haven't quite been right for the job. 
And I thought, oh, well, never mind, not meant to be. It's not right for them for various reasons. Because for me to enter them into that situation, they've got to be 100%, I've got to be 100% happy with them. Um, and obviously, as my children, again, which we'll explore in a different episode, as my children have grown and developed, we thought that a an emotional support dog would actually be really beneficial for my eldest daughter. And as her and Rem's relationship grew, I thought maybe he's the one. They They do have an incredible bond together. But there's a couple of elements that he struggles with that would make him not quite what I needed because I I need, if I were to have an emotional support dog, I need them to be able to be able to get her out and about um, and experience in the world with her and places where there are dogs, Rem would struggle slightly and he can't settle in a cafe or anything like that. So he wasn't ideal. It's something I could work on, but again, with his anxieties, it's probably a recipe for disaster. So obviously um, Anna messaged me and said, I've got this puppy. And all these thoughts kept whirring around in my head going, oh, he could be an emotional support dog. I could get him. Um, he's a boy. We, we only get boy dogs. Um, maybe he would be a wonderful support dog for her. He would complete the family. I was very puppy broody. Um, of course, I had to consult two of the most important people in our family, which is my husband and my mum, because she is in, she looks after the dogs quite simply when I'm at work some days and when I go on holiday. So she has to be on board. It took me from, I think it was about 10 o'clock in the morning until 7pm that evening to convince them and to help them see the world from my perspective. They both said, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I can see your point. Yeah, okay, if... if I'm not going to say no, you know, if you're happy with it, we'll do it. Um, so at seven o'clock that night, I contacted Anna and said, yes, he's ours. I'll have him. Thank you very much. Um, in my head, he was he was needing a home. He was homeless for a whole six hours or eight hours. Poor thing. Um, so I was doing my good for, for the Golden Retriever world. Um, <laughs> so out of the three puppies I've had, Anna has been by far the best breeder experience I've had. Um, and it set the bar so high, I don't think I would want to get another dog from anyone but her. Uh, so she um, was on board from day one. Um, messages, photos, names, um, part of the family. Um, she knew what we were hoping to get Fred for. Um, and she wanted to help us pick the right dog for our family. And obviously the support role we wanted him to undertake. Um, so she helped us choose. She knew which one she thought we should have. Um, she was because she's just around the corner. And me and my girls went to see the litter very often. Um, and we were involved with lots of bits and pieces to um, build the relationship as soon as possible. So we went over and bathed the litter and we'd go over and just sit and chill with them for a little while. Um, and obviously it came to bringing him home. Now, Fred, this poor little tiny puppy, had big expectations. He had a lot of weight on his shoulders that I had got him in the view that he would help my daughter to go out, to leave her leave the house, to overcome her anxiety and to live a fuller life. Now, in hindsight, what an expectation was I putting on that little puppy? Um, yes, it was a wonderful goal, but... Was it fair on him? Was it realistic? Um, absolutely not. So as a young puppy, he did do an awful lot with us. Um, I had it in my mind. He was he was registered as a, um, a support dog in training. 
Um, we took him to many, many places. He came to so many places with us. He was really, really, really good at the job um, of learning how to be chilled in many, many places. Um, but we'll come on to that in a moment because there's a little bit more going on. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that bit in a sec. But as a puppy, he did come to many, many places with us, experienced so much. He came to horse riding lessons. He came to shops. He came to cafes. He came to pubs. He literally came everywhere um, and had a really big experience. Now, as a puppy, a very early puppy, the first day we got him, we discovered Fred had some resource guarding tendencies. Um, and it was a really happy accident, um, a bit like Fred all around, really. Um, I um, feed my dogs raw, uh, which is, you know, everyone can feed whatever their dogs are happy feeding, but mine do eat raw. Um, so as soon as they come in to my home when they're a puppy, instantly they get swapped onto raw. And um, so Fred came in, he had his first meal at lunchtime, so about four hours after he'd arrived. Um, and I don't know what possessed her, but my mum popped her finger in the bowl to flick a bit of raw out of the corner that he was struggling to get. Um, I don't know why she did that. Um, it was probably just, well, we can, you know, the other dogs wouldn't mind us doing that. Not that we ever fiddle with their food, but if they were stuck, they wouldn't mind us helping them out. Fred, oh my goodness, he was like, what the hell are you doing near this amazing food that I've just been given? And he snapped at my mum's finger. Now, did I tell Fred off? No, absolutely not. I told my mum off. I said, mum, you should know better. You know that you don't put your fingers near a dog's bowl, especially not a puppy, and it's his first meal having raw. So she was like, oh gosh, sorry, I didn't even think. Um, but what a wonderful thing to have happened because it told me from day one, oh, there's something here we need to work upon. Um, so it was a really valuable lesson and I was able to address it straight away. Um, so we've, we worked on building his confidence around people and food and now he has absolutely no resource guarding issues at all with people, with food, with toys, nothing. He's more than happy with people. The other dogs... He can be a little bit resource guardy with, but really, really well mannered. Um, they have a really good understanding of what relationships are which in the household. Um, and Fred rules the roost, let's face it. Um, if Fred wants a chew, Fred's having the chew. Um, <laughs> he, if he's got something, he gives a little grumble to the others or gives them a little eye look. And they're like, OK, Fred's got a chew. Whoa, we're back off. So there's a really good understanding between them all. He does have ever so slight resource guarding tendencies in the fact that he'll tell another dog, hey, this is mine, leave me please. But in a really polite way, it doesn't escalate. So it was a wonderful lesson to have had on that very first day that he came home. Fred was the easiest puppy I have had. Like the complete opposite of Remus, who was the most challenging. And I beg, it begs the question, was that because I'd had so much experience of REM? <laughs> And I adapted all those new learning methods into Fred. Is it just Fred? And again, you know, it's kind of like a chicken and egg situation. Not quite sure. Majority of it is Fred's personality um, combined with obviously my previous experiences. Um, but Fred is almost the, op the complete opposite of Rem because he's far too relaxed. Um, it was always a standing joke that if Fred was awake or moving or walking, or doing something, it was like the biggest achievement in the world. During puppy class, he'd just walk in, lay down on his mat and go to sleep. And be like, yep, yeah, I'm cool. 
I'm here for the next hour. <laughs> and you'd be having like, right, Fred, should we do it once? <laughs> Can we just do one of this, this little behaviour we're learning? So, okay, if I must do it once, now I need to go and sleep for a while. Um, I remember one Christmas, or the first Christmas we had him, so he was probably five months old, went to a Christmas market um, or a Christmas shopping day in the Cotswolds, um, took him with me. It was a weekday, it was really quiet. I was like, ah, he'll be fine. We have. We took the, the buggy. He can walk for a little bit, he can sit in the buggy. Um, he refused to get in the buggy and he was like, no, um, I don't do this. Um, <laughs> he refused to walk. Um, so I literally ended up carrying him at five months old. He was quite large, um, all around the place for the whole day um, while I did my shopping. Um, he was like, no, I'm quite happy in your arms sleeping. He didn't care less. Um, he was so, so, so chilled. Um, <laughs> and it's still a standing joke now. It took him until he was about 18 months old to um, last a whole class. He would do half an hour and then go, I'm done, I need to rest now. Um, and he holds the record in our dog training school of being the dog that has taken the longest time to achieve his grade one. Most dogs get it in a month or two. It took Fred 18 months um, because he was like, I don't see the point in doing any of this. So he has taught me um, a lot, which again, we'll move on to in a second. So obviously, I got Fred with the expectation that he would be an emotional support dog. Obviously, that's putting a lot of pressure on him, but it was also putting an awful lot of pressure on myself and um, the expectations I had of him. And, you know, life throws curveballs at us all the time. I had this vision of him being a wonderful emotional support dog. I was going to do loads and loads of training with him. What I didn't expect that was not even a month, so maybe two, three weeks after he joined our family, my youngest daughter would also have left school through emotional-based school avoidance. Um, so she was struggling sort of from the September, we got him in the October, um, she was struggling to get to school. Um, and two, three weeks after we got him, it was an absolute no, and we, she actually left school and we pulled her out of school. Um, so suddenly I had two children that were out of school and at home 24 seven. Um, I had the pressure on myself of trying to train a dog to be an emotional support dog. And obviously I had a lot of pressure, a lot of personal emotions going on. And I battled with a couple of months with desperately trying to get him into as many places as I possibly could and desperately trying to give him as much exposure and teach him all the things I wanted him to learn. The best thing I did was remove that pressure. So when he was around six months old, I was like, this is hard. Um, this is not going how I planned because I haven't got the time for it. So I decided to remove the pressure off of me and off of Fred. At that point, he also sort of entered into, into his adolescence where he became a little bit more emotional. And I went and putting on the back burner Yes, it was my plan of this is why I got him. But if it's not going to work right now, let's remove that pressure. Right now, I want Fred to be a happy-go-lucky puppy and not training for a job that he might not get to. Removing the pressure is what helped our relationship grow. So at that point, I said, if it never makes it, it doesn't matter. We're going to stop purposely trying to train for that and we're just going to train for life. So... Removing the pressure was the best thing we did. 
Uh, and obviously this isn't to say that he will never be an emotional support dog. He does a wonderful job at home, but I'm not focusing on it or expecting or putting high expectations on us anymore. At home, he is brilliant. He is the most chilled dog. He goes and gives lovely cuddles to the girls. Um, he has really funny quirks that make us all smile. He's so affectionate. Um, outside, he's had a real struggle during his adolescence, quite simply. So around, I'd say he was probably around six months. He started, he's always been an easily startled puppy. Um, so as a puppy, he was easily startled by noises. So sleeping through the night was a real challenge for him because any noise that happened, he would bark at and go, oh, what was that noise? And it would startle him while he was sleeping. Um, so it took us a while to get him to sleep through the night. And it really didn't help that my husband does shift work. So he would come in at midnight, two o'clock, five o'clock, um, random times throughout the night. And it would disturb Fred. He'd go, my God, there's a burglar coming in. Um, <laughs> and it, it you know, disturbed sleep for a little while. It, it was interesting. Um, we spent many a night with sleeping with reggae on. I swear by reggae. Reggae calms my dogs um, so much. So we would sleep with reggae music playing in the background. We would try and do calming remedies at night to try and help him chill out. It took him a while, but he slept through the night um, eventually without being startled. Um he also is easily startled by things entering his environment. And this has become apparent sort of from when he was six months old, even to now. Um, it's something we're still continuing to work on. And he, it's almost like he needs time to process something. So when something enters his environment, or if something is out of place in his eyes, or it's not normally there. So for example, if, if we were to go outside our house, normally, you know, our clothes is really quiet, there's not many people around. If one of the neighbours happens to be in their front garden, he's like, oh my goodness, you made me jump out my skin. Woof, 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 woof. I wasn't expecting you to be there. Um, and it takes a moment to go, okay, there's a person there. We're all good. Which is, again, a bit weird. Um, but he does it with random things like um, if you walk somewhere and there's suddenly um, like roadblocks or a street cone, like a traffic cone. He's like, wow, that wasn't there yesterday. And he barks at it and then goes, okay, cool, it's fine now. I'm, I'm ready, I've sorted it. So again, it's, it is almost like he needs that time to see something. He instantly reacts. He then processes, processes it and goes, it's okay. I know it's there, we're all good. Um, and this is something say, we're carrying on working with. Um, it's It's been a challenge <laughs> and it is a challenge because it means that taking him places can be a little bit tricky. So I have to really monitor where I take him and make sure I'm taking him places where he's got time to process things before they enter into his environment. So as I said, Fred is a very chilled dog. So one of the things that I have struggled in, struggle with particularly with him is motivation. Getting him to want to do stuff is really hard because he'd just quite happily chill out and sleep. Um, Labradors, I'm used to training puppy Labradors. Um, they'll eat anything, any food, they're happy. Fred was like, nah, you're good. I don't want that. So it took me a while to work out what his motivations were. And they are really strange. So for a time, he would only work for warm sausages. <laughs> Not cold sausages. Warm sausages. Warm sausages only. So I would have to cook the sausages, wrap them up in some foil and bring them to class so they would still be warm. 
thankfully he moved on to chicken and he will eat cold chicken, but it has to be freshly cooked. <laughs> so it's a big thing when you want to train Fred. You're like, right, have I got all my rewards? And they're the only two things he'll have. Um, he likes one particular toy, not any toy, one particular toy that he will work for. Um, and he's <laughs> random because he's motivated by stones. He loves a stone. If he can see a stone in the ground and he gets to dig it up and carry that stone around in his mouth, he is the happiest dog in the world. So rather than trying to stop him from doing that, I use those things as motivation. So if he happens to find a stone, and it has to be a stone he has found, it cannot be one that I have produced, he has to have found it himself for it to be a rewarding stone. I can ask him for it, he'll give me the stone. He's then the most motivated energetic dog ever he'll perform a behavior to get his stone back it's crazy and i say that it's taken me a while to work this out so it's been a really interesting journey that has taught me a lot about motivation and how to motivate your dog and also how to work with patience so i've had to develop i thought i was a patient person i thought i knew how to work slowly with a dog with Fred, I had to develop even more patience and work even slower. So we spent a good year literally working on, if you look at me or engage with me or I stood next to me, good things happen. Because he was so distracted by the world and so just chilled that he didn't care if I was there or not. And I just felt like I was a weight, an anchor at the end of the lead and that was it. So it's taken us a really long time to build that relationship. And again, you know, this isn't a bad thing. He's developed my skills. And equally, because of him, we now have a set course um, that we have developed purely based around what I have done with Fred to gain his focus for the last couple of years. Um, so he's, again, a really interesting character. There's a lot to him. I've never known a dog hug like he does. He actually comes and gives you a hug. He doesn't jump up at you. He does jump up to do it, but it's in a really polite way. He stands up on his back legs and he puts his front paws around your waist and just stands there hugging you um, and giving you like kisses and having a stroke. It's so sweet. Um, he's really a lovely, lovely dog. Equally with Fred, another thing is that he doesn't work with pressure. So he doesn't respond to pressure. If I accidentally put any pressure on him to do something and it's I do it without even realizing I'm doing it he automatically recoils it's like no 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 that's not happening because there's pressure um again this is where my dogs and my kids are so interesting um they overlap quite a lot I've learned a lot around my dogs and my kids and they all intertwines um he has a demand avoidance he if you place a demand upon him he will not do it. So you have to make him think that things are his idea and motivate him, which is just like my youngest daughter. Again, really interesting. She has a demand avoidant pro autistic profile and my dog is demand avoidant. So okay, it's interesting. Now, obviously he's coming up or he is just two. So he is still in his adolescent phase. He hasn't matured yet. We are still learning every single day new things about how to motivate him and new things to do he is my slowest learner dog but remember that thing about the hare and the tortoise just because he's taken a long time to get to where he is now it doesn't mean that he 
isn't going to get there. We're just taking a really slow journey. And equally, I think that's actually going to make him a stronger, more reliable dog and our relationship stronger because we've really had to work at the basics and the foundations. We haven't rushed stuff and it's so easy to rush stuff. Um, But we've worked solidly for two years on really strong foundations of a relationship and we do have a really strong relationship. He understands me, I understand him. And he's taught me about the importance of learning to go at your dog's pace. I will work at one pace um, or I'd like to work at one pace. He is not going to work. He's not on board. We have to go at his pace. And yes, it's taken a long time, but there are things that a year ago I would have laughed at and gone, yeah, right, Fred's not going to do that. Now he can do them or he's learning to do them, should I say. Again, we, we take things slow. He's almost like your chilled surfer dude. He's like, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. No rush. Um, but we are learning every single day with him, which is really interesting. I find it's really interesting. Um, and I say he's he's a really, really, really calm gentle-natured, absolute sweetheart. He is such a lovely, lovely dog. He reminds me more and more of Leo every day in looks, in personality, um, in everything, really. It's it's fascinating. Um, but say one thing that I would take home from Fred is that you have to go at your dog's pace. You have to meet them where they are. There is no point rushing a dog if they're not ready purely because we want to reach goals we put our own expectations into our dogs when we have to work at their pace and learning to swap your energy and to meet your dog in the middle or much much lower than the middle where they are wherever that may be is how you can again become a dynamic dog owner and that's what this is hopefully that's what this podcast is about it's about teaching you how to adapt to your dog and how to adapt situations so that you can be the best you can be. I find it incredibly useful, challenging, interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I take all of my dogs to training on a Thursday evening. Um, so it's one of the evenings I don't work and I my classes here are run by somebody else. Um, so I train at Tash um, and I bring each of my dogs to a class. So <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I'm shattered by the end of it. Um, purely not because of the training, but because of how I have to adapt and how I have to change myself. So the first class is Dave's and he tends to do hoopers, which is um, a wonderful sport. Um, it's good for him because it's low level. Um, he can do it. It gets him a little bit of running around. Um, it's no pressure. We just have some fun with it. I have to work a certain way with him. I have to have certain rewards. He likes rewards given in a certain way. I have to match his energy and work how we're doing it. He's kind of like the middle dog. The next class is with Fred. So Fred comes to our general training club. Um, and I have to, again, in that two five minute changeover, I have to completely switch my mindset and go, right, I've now got this dog. A, use the right name. <laughs> Normally I go through them all. Dave, Rem, Fred. Um, you, which one? Which one are you? Um, so I have to do that first, but then I have to swap my rewards, remember which dog I'm with, remember how I have to adapt what I'm doing to match that dog's needs. And then typically the last class of the day is Rem and his scent detection class, who has the most energy, is the most energetic and the one I have to have the most energy for because he works at like super speed. He's like Sonic the Hedgehog, um, in comparison to the other two. So when I'm tired at the end of the 
the session of training, I'm like, right, energy on. Let's work with Rem. And it's like, bam, 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 quick fire. He has to work continually for the whole hour. Whereas Fred will go, oh, I've done it twice. Can we just sniff the grass now? Um, but being able to adapt myself to each dog is a skill that I have started to develop and are continuing to develop because it's not easy. So that's a little bit about my Fred. Um, he is gorgeous. And he's such a lovely, lovely dog. Um, the girls have already requested another golden retriever. I mean, it was going to happen anyway. Um, but we, we are waiting. We are, we are watch this space, but we are waiting. I do not need a fourth dog just yet. Um, but he, as I say, if, if there's anything to take away from him, it's learning to go at your dog's pace, learning to work with them, and equally not setting those high expectations on your dog. Some dogs can meet expectations. Other dogs can't. And it's taught me, yes, I got him with the view to be an emotional support dog, which he does a wonderful job of at home. I don't know if we're going to get there externally. So outside, out and about in real life situations. Never say never. Just because he can't do it now at two, it doesn't mean he's not going to be able to do it at six because he's got a lot of growing and developing to do. But just because you get a dog with a certain goal in mind, be prepared. That might not happen it might not be possible for your dog because we don't know who they're going to be. We can pick our dog from the litter with the goal in mind and hope they're going to be the right person. But we don't know that until they've grown and they've matured. So we need to cut them some slack and we need to give them time to develop their personalities. If he happens to fit the job, brilliant. If he doesn't, he's a blimmin' lovely dog. Um, and he does a wonderful job of supporting us all at home and making our life happy. So if you have got goals for your dog, just stop and think, are they realistic? Are they achievable? Do they match my dog's personality and their own needs and what they are capable of? Do I need to lower those expectations to help my dog be the best version of themselves? Or am I putting too bigger expectations on and setting them up to fail? So learn to go slow, be that tortoise. The slower we go, the better results we get. And just think about your dog's personalities. Don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think would benefit from it. So anyone who's got a new dog, anyone who um, is rescued a dog, got a new puppy or just lives with a dog and would benefit from some insights about how to be the best dog owner they can be. Have a wonderful week and I'll catch up with you soon. Thank you for listening to The Dynamic Dog Owner with me, Debbie Potter. See you next time.